We have been seeing that what happens when we play a note and its overtones sound along with it is pretty much just like counting. When a note sounds, it's like a frequency sings me. <laughs> but not only that, it also sings two me's, three me's, four me's. So that's me. That's two me's, three me's, four me's. Those are the overtones counting through multiplications of the fundamental note. Just like how we count with multiplications of the number one. We have one, then two is twice one, three is thrice one. We're multiplying one when we count. We're counting by multiplying one. Within this counting, we find our musical relationships or intervals. So whether we count a note and its overtones as in 110, then 220, 330, 440, or whether we just simply count one, two, three, four, we are actually making the same count. This isn't just a very interesting and curious point, but an extremely practical one too. It means that if number one is the fundamental note, whatever that fundamental note is, an A at 110 hertz or a C at 65 or whatever, we don't have to work with those numbers, with 110 or 65, no? We can just work with cardinal counting numbers and we'll find the same relationships that we find in the overtones. So if one is the fundamental note, which other cardinal numbers represent the fundamental note? What is the octave of one? How do you find the octave of something? Multi doubling it. Doubling it. So what other numbers would represent that fundamental note? If it's one, any multiple of one. Any double of one. Two. Exactly. So one represents our fundamental note and two represents our first overtone an octave above. So the same note, an octave higher. If we double two, we get... Four. Four, which is of course the same note again. And so on, eight, 16, 32. So we can say that one, two, four, eight, etc. represent both the fundamental and the octave, which are of course one and the same. We can easily see this counting reflected in the overtones looking at our convenient A at 110 hertz, which is really easy to double, no? Two here represents 220 hertz, another A. Four would be 440 hertz, another A. Eight would be... 880 hertz. 880 hertz. What note is that? A. Another A, no, and so on. So we're doubling to find the same note. So if we count one, two, three, two is double one, but three, three is 1.5 times two, not double. So what interval does three give us? The perfect fifth. Yes, the all important perfect fifth. When we time something by 1.5, a ratio of three parts to two parts, the golden ratio. So if the fundamental note is an A, the perfect fifth is? E. An E. So when the fundamental note is A, when one is A, E is the musical manifestation of number three. And of what other numbers? What other numbers would E represent? Ah, oh, six, 12, etc. Six, 12, 24. Now all of the doubles of three, of course. So three, six, 12, 24, that all represents the perfect fifth. So not 6, 9, 12, 15, no, that would be the perfect fifths overtones. To find more perfect fifths, we just continue doubling, no, to find more E's in this case. So if one is A, K, 
counting to three, we find A, A, E. If the fundamental, if number one is D, what does one, two, three give us? So if A is number one, we get A, A, E. And if D is number one, we get D, D, E. Very good. D, D, A. No, A is the perfect fifth of D. So the fundamental, the first overtone, an octave higher, and then a perfect fifth, in this case, an A. So counting one, two, three, one represents the fundamental note, two, the octave, and three, the perfect fifth. What note does number four give us if our fundamental is an A? A. Another A, of course. The fundamental again, just two octaves higher. Four is double two or one doubled twice. No, just as 440 is 110 doubled twice. Let's continue counting. What number comes after four, Harry? No, <laughs> Uh, does number five give us a new note or does it repeat a note we have already seen? And how do we know this? How would you work that out? So we're trying to, trying to half it. Exactly. So we have five and we don't get a whole number, yeah. do we? So we haven't seen that note already. We know already what note this is, though, if the fundamental is an A. Because the first three different notes to appear in the Overton series were the ones we used for our major chord. Do you remember what three notes these were for A? We'd have the fundamental, so an A, the perfect fifth, E, an E, and then what other interval? The um, third. The major third, no? So the major third of A was a C sharp. So if A is number one, number five is C sharp, or in other more general terms, Number five represents the major third. The major third is the musical manifestation of number five. And what other cardinal numbers then represent the major third? 10, 20, 40. Exactly, 10, 20, 40, and on to eternity now. So we can represent a fundamental note and the notes that appear in its overtones, or more generally the intervals we find through the overtones as cardinal numbers ordinary counting numbers, because the relationships between those numbers are the same as the ones we find in our overtones. So the number five represents the major third. How about number six? What's the first thing you'd do in order to answer this question? See if it's a double of something, which it is three. Great. So you half it, you find three. And what did three represent? What did three represent? The E. The perfect fifth. The perfect fifth. No, so six represents the perfect fifth, just like three. No? So, of course, just as was the case when we were looking at the overtones, in counting up to six, so up to the fifth overtone, we've encountered the fundamental note three times, numbers one, two, and four, the perfect fifth twice, numbers three and six, and the major third once, number five. This is representative of these intervals' respective importance. The fundamental or the octave, which is one and the same, is the most important note or interval. Then comes whatever note the perfect fifth gives us, and then the major third. Do we know what interval number seven represents? Or in other words, do we find any whole numbers halving seven? What's half of seven? Three and a half. Three and a half. So seven is a new soul. 3.5 is close to three, which might help you guess the name of the interval number seven represents. Three, of course, gave us the perfect fifth, and seven half is 3.5. So 
So take a thought-out guess at what might be the name of the interval embodied by 7 or 3.5. Fourth, perfect fourth. If, if 3 is the fifth, 3.5 is higher than that, no? So it won't be a fourth. So what interval might it be? Sixth. Yeah. <laughs> and what type of sixth will it be? A perfect sixth. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Good. So I'm asking you these questions because I know you have the knowledge to arrive at it. It's not always immediate knowledge, but continue down this line. So we know we have how many perfect intervals? Uh, there are three. There are three. Our perfect octave, the perfect fifth and the perfect fourth. So it can't be perfect, the sixth. So if it's a note that an overtone hits and it's not perfect, what is it? Third. What was the third? What did we call that third that came from the overtone series? Oh, um, major third. Because it came from the overtone series. So what is this sixth chord? Oh, so it's ma major sixth. A major sixth. So the guess part was sixth, no? As 3.5 is close to three, close to the fifth. Uh, but the more thought out part would be that it's of course major, no? Because we found this interval directly in the overtone series and it's not perfect, so it's major. There's no other options when we are simply looking at the first notes to appear in the overtone series and scaling them down to identify their interval from the fundamental note. The overtones are either perfect or major. So seven represents the major sixth, which from C, for example, gives us an A, and from A gives us an F sharp. Either way, the major sixth is a reflection of the number seven. So as we do this, as we count and identify the note frequencies that a fundamentals overtones hit and scale them down to find their intervals from the fundamental note, what we are doing is creating a scale, the major scale in fact. So if we do this with A as the fundamental, we are creating A major. If we do this with D as the fundamental, we are creating what scale? D major. D major. So any major scale is a direct representation of counting. Counting to 15, we will find the seven different notes of what we call the major scale. But the notes we find will of course be spread out over various octaves with some notes repeated. So we scale these notes down to fit them all into a neat octave and that's where the major scale comes from. Here is a C major scale. With the C repeated at the end of the scale. Otherwise you feel like you're left hanging. If we were to describe that action, scaling down the overtones and fitting them into an octave, if we were to describe that action through cardinal numbers, we would be setting our octave up with one and two. So for example, this C, and this C, two is the double, the octave of one, of course, and the rest of the numbers, three, four, five, etc. We are scaling down to fit between one and two. Don't worry, we're not going to do all of that decimal point math but we can do it just with number three to demonstrate this point. So you will scale down three an octave to fit between one and two. How do you do that? 
What does scaling something down an octave involve? Dividing it. Halving it, halving no? It. So half of three is? One and a half. One and a half. And there we clearly see the perfect fifth doing its thing. 1.5 is splitting the space between one and two in half as the perfect fifth cuts the octave in half. So that's the major scale, counting and scaling down. By the time we have reached number 15, we identify all seven different notes of the major scale, but with one very curious omission. Number 13 is not represented. This didn't feel like a hole in this whole counting theory for obvious reasons. 13 is regarded in numerous unrelated cultures as an unlucky and even fearful number. But unrelated cultures between commas are always related, albeit by sharing little more than the same physical world. In that physical world, objects reverberate and give us all the same overtones. If we look at the overtone associated with number 13, we find the justification for its emission from the major scale. If we were to include it, we would end up creating an interval within the major scale that we really don't want in a harmonious set of notes. You may remember what that interval was called already, but I'll jog your memory playing one of them. What's that? Minor. So my, minor is, it's harmonious. Oh, it's diminished. Diminished what was it? Do you remember? Diminished fifth. Diminished fifth. A diminished fifth. So if we were to represent 13 in the major scale, we'd end up with a diminished fifth, the tonus diabolicus, you know, the diabolic tone between notes of the major scale. Not with the fundamental note, but between other notes of the scale. So if you omit number 13, there is no such dissonance. Whether this was somehow understood intuitively through musical experience, or whether conscious knowledge of these things at some time in some place in history far exceeded that which we imagined was ever possessed, we may never know. Either way, our reverent and almost universal caution around the number 13 finds one of its most convincing and enthralling explanations through the major scale. So the diminished fifth is so-called because it's like a perfect fifth, but half a tone less. So if the perfect fifth of C is G, G flat gives us the diminished fifth. Lowering G to G flat makes the space from C to G a half step shorter. Instead of changing G to G flat to shorten that interval, we could instead do something to C. What would we do to C? Uh, half a step higher, C sharp. Very good. Half a step higher, C sharp. So C sharp to G is the same distance, a diminished fifth again. Diminished is also related to the word mutated. Mi and mu are ancient and connected linguistic roots here. So observed mutations are rarely beneficial and mostly result in unsightliness and suffering, an observable diminishment of perfection by faction, the way things are. The diminished fifth is a mutated fifth and mutation is essential to the idea of monsters and demons. The word monster is connected to monitor, demonstrate. Mon means show, like omen. Even money comes from this root. Money represents or shows value. And if you think that's a coincidence, the Israeli currency, the shekel, for example, is another word with its roots in the meaning of showing. So mon means show, and a monster is a bringer of bad omens, a revealer, a shower of messages from the gods. 
So a mutated goat with three horns or a two-headed snake, any diminished being was possibly a monster there to admonish. Again, we have mon in admonish to warn. So these latent connections between harmonic dissonance and everything not right, dreadful and demonic in the world from the human perspective, and the connection also between the numbers and terms that we associate with diminishment in popular culture and in music is curious to say the least. It all speaks to how even though various elements of music and how we speak about music are inventions, not names as letters and interval names, no, music in itself isn't. Even though instruments are inventions, music is more than anything something we tap into, something that is already omnipresent and self-evident. 